0: My father Chris Aylar of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and we're glad to have you with us for this Christmas episode of Living Divine Mercy here on EWTN. At Christmas time, we often think of gifts, both giving and receiving. But what we need to do is keep our minds focused and hearts focused on the most important gifts, and those would be the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of the main reasons the world is in the mess that is in today is parents are not baptizing their children. Leaving original sin on their soul, no matter what their age, is a devastating mistake. The answer is to baptize your children so that they can receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and later the fruits of the Holy Spirit. But what are they? The fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit are different. We read about the gifts in Isaiah, and in the words of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, are permanent dispositions which make man docile in following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The significance is they sustain the moral life. They complete and perfect the virtues in us, which we need to live a holy life, and we lose them only when we lose the state of grace through mortal sin. If baptism is like a seed of divine life in the soul, then the sacrament of confirmation makes that seed bloom. Confirmation increases the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit in us that we get at baptism. Basically, we become an adult in the faith, a soldier of Christ. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are our spiritual tools for the spiritual warfare of everyday life, if you will. Now, those listed by St. Paul include wisdom. This is the first and greatest gift— When we are wise, we see things in our lives and things of the world from the way God sees them. It is the opposite of the worldly view. It is being able to see God everywhere and in every situation. That's why Jesus is wisdom himself. Next is understanding. Sounding similar, it's different because in understanding, we comprehend how we need to live as a follower of Christ. It is knowing what it takes to be a disciple, understanding it, but also to be open and aware of how others think and feel, like having compassion for others. You have empathy, you have understanding for them. Okay, next we have knowledge, again sounding similar, It's different because we come to know our faith and teachings of the church, so we know the meaning of God, not just information. We study and learn to gain knowledge of our Lord and our faith. Okay? Counsel. This is supernatural intuition. It helps a person judge between right and wrong. We can make good decisions to avoid sin. We live it. So we can give good advice. Then there's fortitude. Basically, this is just courage. Willingness to stand up for what is right in the eyes of God, even if we get suffering or rejection as a result. Resist fear and overcome obstacles by being strong, even if you have to become a martyr. Next is piety. This is reverence. We have a deep sense of respect for God and the church. We recognize our reliance on God. We pay worship and duty to God as our Father. This is just personal holiness, reverence. And finally, fear of the Lord. This is wonder and awe, a good thing, not a bad thing. One is made aware of the glory of God. It is realizing God is the fulfillment of one's desires. There is thus a fear of separating oneself from God. It's more a filial fear, a fear of offending him, rather than a servile fear, which is fear of punishment. And fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. These, on the other hand, are the effects in us of living a life using the gifts according to the Spirit. So, when we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can then bear fruit. The Catechism, again, describes them as perfections that the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory. Now, although the New Testament lists nine fruits, Christian tradition following St. Jerome's uh, Latin Vulgate gives 12 And the complete list is, which we'll go through, charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit are the good habits, the virtues, the good deeds, if you will, that come from living as a child of God. And we became that at baptism. Now, all who are baptized and then confirmed are equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and now able to live a virtuous and holy life by being sent forth to bear fruit. And we can do this only when we stay attached to Jesus the vine. So let's look at these fruits. Charity, we said, is the first one. This is basically love. It is willing the good of the other. When you love someone, you want their good in all things. Next is joy. This is an inner feeling of God. Now, joy is different than happiness. Joy is inner feeling. Happiness is more external, uh, which is an outward expression. Like, I'll be very happy if the Lions win the Super Bowl. But that does not give me internal joy. Now, peace. This is not an absence of war, but rather how you know things, like discerning God's will. It is elevating your soul to one thing just one, without having the clutter of many other things. Those cause you not to have peace. But we focus on God for true peace. Next is patience. This is carrying your cross and being most thankful for, surprisingly, those who annoyed you. Next is kindness. This is thinking about other people's feelings, not just yourself in a selfish manner. Now, generosity is a bit different because this is willingness to give something to another person. So it's actually giving. And we could think of that in Christmas time. That is generosity. Now, goodness, this is God Himself. So goodness is when you imitate Christ in your words and your actions because He is goodness itself. Then gentleness. This is docility in response to others. It is being mild-mannered to all those you encounter in your day. Okay, faithfulness. This is carrying out the duties of your state in life, be you single or married or consecrated religious. And it's basically living God's will in your life. You're faithful no matter where God has put you as a husband, or a wife, or a mother, or a priest, or even a single person. Now, speaking of being single, we always have to keep in mind modesty. Modesty is important. This is dressing and acting in a way that is being cognizant of not tempting others into sin. And that's related to our next one, which is chastity. This is control of the bodily appetites of the flesh, especially sexually. Then there is self-control, finally. This is being uh, just in control of ourselves and our passions. It restricts the havoc that our ego can cause. It is the need to put the spirit over the flesh in all things. Since all who are confirmed are sealed in the Holy Spirit, the gifts they got to live a virtuous and holy life at baptism are activated. The person is then sent forth to bear fruit for the benefit of the church and the world. So use the gifts. Examples include um, the gift of fear of the Lord will lead to the fruit of chastity, or the gift of counsel, which is Intuition, to know right from wrong, will lead to the fruit of faithfulness. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the most active in the world today if we let Him. The Father's job of creation is basically done. You have been created. The Son's job of redemption is basically done. You have been redeemed. When Christ on the cross said, "...it is finished." But the Holy Spirit's job of sanctification is the only job yet to be finished. We need to be made holy by the Holy Spirit. But we are cutting off that grace by not being baptized. Christ said we need to be baptized by water and the Spirit in order to be saved. Because if we aren't, we don't have the gifts to bear fruit in the world which make us holy and get us to heaven. Now, let's talk to Kevin Sorbo. Many of you know him as Hercules, quite an incredibly successful series. But what you may not know is he's also a producer and actor in many faith-based films, giving the gift of Christ to the world. Uh, so Kevin, uh, thank you for joining us, and, and maybe tell us right now what you've been doing recently, and then maybe tell us a little bit about the past. I know people would like to hear a little bit about Hercules.
1: Well, you know, our, this this past year has been you know just just busy. I had a couple of different movies that came out. Uh, two of them I, I directed as well. Uh, one was The Left Behind, based off the Left Behind books that Tim LaHaye and uh, Jer- Jerry Jenkins had done back in the '90s. That sold, I think, like 80 million copies. Uh, it's called Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. People can certainly go check that out. And then another movie that was in theaters um, called um, uh, Miracle in East Texas, which is a true story about the largest oil find in the history of the world back in 1930, right in the heart of the Depression. Wonderful, wonderful story. I was fortunate to direct that one as well. We got Lou Gasset Jr. is in that and Tyler Maine is in it. John Ratzenberg is in it. My wife, Sam Sorbo, of is in it. And uh, I've been busy shooting four other movies that are in post-production right now.
0: How do you feel right now uh, regarding these faith-based entertainment? Is there, it seems like they keep making money, but yet Hollywood still doesn't want to change their position on the woke factors. Um, do you see a change or is there any hope? What, what's your What's your well, take?
1: I got to believe there's hope because all my movies deal with hope. You know, they deal with love and laughter and hope and and, and faith, redemption, the things Hollywood used to do, as you know. Um, I did a movie called uh, God's Not Dead that did very, very well. And I,
0: I, I, we just watched a little some clips of it this morning. Oh,
1: well, cool. Well, there's another movie called What If, which I highly recommend. What If are my book, Same writers. Um, is a much better movie. So I recommend those people listening right now, check out the movie, What If? It was directed by Dallas Jenkins, who's doing yep. a little thing called The Chosen right it's now. The Chosen.
0: I know. <laughs> in fact, I work with uh, Jonathan Rumi. I've, wor- I've worked with him a sure. little bit in the past.
1: You know, it, it, I've been very fortunate to do the movies I've been doing, and I, I love doing these movies. And um, I did another one called Let There Be Light, to answer your question. Well, Let There Be Light was a movie my wife wrote, and I directed it. It lasted in theaters for about four months. It's a wonderful uh, Christmas movie, And that movie, a $3 million movie, up against Thor Ragnarok, a $300 million on its opening weekend, we finished number two per screen average. I get a call from from Netflix Monday after opening weekend saying, you have a huge audience in in this faith world, Kevin. We want to open an inspirational division here at Netflix. I have four meetings with these guys over the next three months. Nothing happened. And I looked at them and I said, I don't get it. There's 80 million homes in America that want the kind of movies that I do. The kind of movies that other independent producers do, like the Irwin brothers. And I said, why are you not paying attention that? Why are you, with your ideology and your hate towards people that are Christians and conservatives, I don't get it why you guys, you're a capitalist business. You can scream socialism all you want. But the reality is, Hollywood is a capitalist business. They want to make money. They want their stockholders happy. So why they don't do it is really weird to me. And I could tell in that room, half those people agreed with me, but they're afraid. Yeah. They're afraid to come out of that closet. So it's a whole new, there's a whole new group of people in closets now that happens to be conservatives and Christians within Hollywood.
0: Do you think in any way, shape or form that Hollywood, if we as faith-based consumers start bringing in the dollars on these faith-based movies, they'll put woke aside and actually promote these types of uh, faith entertainment?
1: Well, you know, Walt Disney said back in the 1950s, movies and television will influence our youth. Seven years later, I think Uncle Walt is completely correct, because look what's going on with Disney right now. Disney, with their woke agenda, they're going to lose $1.1 $1. $1 billion or more by the end of the calendar year. Will they learn their lesson? I don't know. How long can they keep in business if they're going to lose a billion dollars every year? Right. That's not much of a business plan. So yeah. I, I, they, they've got to wake up eventually.
0: Now, one of the things a lot of people admire about you is you've been unapologetic about your Christian beliefs, yeah. And even your conservative politics uh, for most of your career. Tell me, if you don't mind, how has that been received most recently? And is it changing for the good or the
1: bad? Um, you know, Hollywood gave me the boot. I, I think I, I think I'm the reason why we have a term cancel culture, because I think, was the first one to really that I know of in Hollywood a dozen years ago. When my manager and agent said, we can't work with you anymore. And so I was like, wow. wow, that's interesting. You guys scream for tolerance. You scream for freedom of speech. But, you know, just like Washington, D.C., Hollywood is just as hypocritical. Yeah. And uh, they say these things. But um, to, to me, I, I had to laugh at their so-called tolerance and freedom of speech because it's a one-way street. But, you know, that's okay. Hollywood owes me nothing. I started Sorbo Studios. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing our own thing. We're making our own movies. We're making the difference our way. We're called to Harvest. And we're hoping that this is something that. Uh, is, is is making a difference in people's lives. In fact, I know because I get stopped every day walking around and traveling. And people say, your movies have changed my life. I became a Christian because of your movies. So it's pretty cool. We need to be lions. We need to be lions and roar and not be afraid. You're going to get canceled anyway. And I think the more people that come out of that stupid shell being worried about what, oh my gosh, what people are going to say, um, we're, we're going to turn the tide.
0: And, and that's why we, uh, you know, I'm not, as a priest, I had to read a lot in seminary. (laughs) And one of the books that is easy for me to read if you get a chance to take a look at is Kevin's book, uh, The Test of Lionhood. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about this.
1: And my book really deals with letting boys be boys and let girls be girls. Let them grow up and be adults and make their decisions. There's no anything that's derogatory to anybody in any walk of life. It's pro-child is what it is. It's just simply pro-child.
0: What advice could you give to somebody who's trying to be a father, who's trying to raise the kids, but yet has to capitulate to all of this nonsense, if you will, to be able to keep a job?
1: Well, I say don't let anyone set your lim- your, your limitations, especially yourself. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I'm not getting asked to do big TV shows or big movies anymore, but I'm doing movies that make a difference. And you got to find a place in your life to not think that, you know, the almighty dollar is the best way to go. I know we need to feed our families and all that kind of stuff, but to be a strong man is to be a strong provider for your family, but also be a strong father in the name of God as well.
0: Tell us real briefly um, about your faith and, and how active are you and tell us a little bit about your family so that you can be an inspiration to others that are, you know, trying to be that good father and husband.
1: You know, I was very lucky though. I had, I had amazing parents. My father passed eleven years ago. He was my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. Um, I grew up. I was, I'm typical second second generation Norwegian boy. So I grew up in a Lutheran church, St. John's Lutheran Church. and It was always part of my life. The youth pastor we had for me was hugely instrumental in my growth during my teenage years. Uh, we had a place on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock. Um, after football practices and stuff, we, we go to the place called The Room. And we hung out with Pastor Lee right there. And he brought the, he brought the Bible into the current day for us. But this guy really brought it into sort of a, uh, an easier way for us to understand the Bible better. And um, for me to carry on those things, um, I got a very strong wife and her, her faith as well. And uh, it's always been there with the kids. And every morning that my wife sits down with the kids and they read the Bible. You know, which is fantastic. So uh, we're homeschoolers as well, so they were able to travel with me all the movies I shoot across the states, and uh, it's it's wonderful in the homeschooling world because you're with your kids all the time, which is a good thing because pretty soon they're gonna want to be on their own.
0: Kevin, it's an honor to have had you with us, and we're grateful. And like I said, if things work out, we'd love to have you back on the show. But most of all, I think our listeners appreciate the fact that you are standing up for genuine masculinity, fatherhood. Uh, family, <laughs> and faith?
1: Um, please go to sorbostudios.com. Sorbo, my last name, S-O-R-B-O, studios.com. All kinds of information on there. Um, our books are on there. Upcoming projects, sign up and keep you up to date to what's happening. Um, Father, I'd love to come back on our own Easter to talk about my latest documentary about the Last Supper. It's called Eating with the Enemy. It's a follow-up to my last one that was called uh, Before the Wrath. Which was pretty interesting. It deals with the Second Coming, and that was the number one documentary on Amazon for five months.
0: Now, Kevin, uh, during Christmas time, people would like maybe to get some gifts. Is the website you just gave the place if somebody wants oh, yeah. to get a DVD or yep. get something streaming? Yep.
1: All the faith-based DVDs, all the interesting. Even Hercules is on there. So if you're a fan of Hercules, you can get information on that. Um, but we have a lot of wonderful things on there. Yep.
0: Wow. Well, that's that's a testament to hard work and faith-based approach to your work. So again, Kevin, God bless you. Once again, we're going to put the information on the bottom of your screen there, how you can find out more information about Kevin's work. Uh, Kevin, thank you, and God bless you.
1: Thank you. God bless. Merry Christmas, everyone.
0: At Christmas time, we always like to talk to our employees here at the National Shrine about what they want for Christmas. Now, you might have remembered Karen from last year, so let's hear what she had to say.
1: So remember last year what I wanted for Christmas? I wanted to be a grandmother. What I want for Christmas really is um, one of my children to say that I am going to be a grandmother, That which would be great. Well guess what? So a month after Christmas I found out I was going to be a grandmother and then a couple weeks later I found out again that I was going to be a grandmother again. Not only am I a grandmother once, but I am a grandmother twice to two beautiful granddaughters. And they are the best Christmas gifts ever.
0: Today I'm here before you at a traditionally beautiful nativity scene. But this scene gives us an opportunity to say to you, Merry Christmas. And so on behalf of myself and all the Marian fathers, May God bless you and yours on this joyful and very merry Christmas season. You know, speaking of Christmas, Corazon from the Philippines wrote and asks, Father, many people today believe that Christmas is actually based on the pagan celebration of the winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. Is this true? Well, yes, Corazon, it is true that December 25th was once a feast called Sol Invictus, the birth of some pagan sun god and claims that Christmas was a pagan holiday ran so deep that they even influenced the Puritans, who rejected the celebration of Christmas here in the United States and kept it from even being a federal holiday until 1870. So was this fear justified? Okay, here's the truth. There is no early Christian or pagan writing that indicates December 25th was picked because of pagan roots. In fact, early Christians went out of their way to show how different they were from the pagans. Wanting to put the birth of Jesus on the calendar, they picked December 25th. But this is what is fascinating, and I bet maybe you didn't know. December 25th had actually more to do with Jewish tradition than pagan. Did you know that March 25th actually marked the first day of creation for the Jews? So Christians believe that Christ died on this same day, March 25th, bringing about a new creation through his passion, death, and resurrection. They also believed that Christ was conceived on March 25th, which is why we celebrate the Annunciation on this day. So if his conception occurred on March 25th, then it follows that the birth of Jesus came nine months later, on December 25th. There's nothing pagan about it. How do we know this? Well, many scholars believe it, and Pope Benedict even wrote about this in his book, Spirit of the Liturgy. Therefore, long before December 25th was made a pagan feast of soul Sol victus in 274 AD, December 25th was already celebrated as Christmas, So what you have heard about Christmas being based on a pagan holiday is false. In fact, Father Mitch Pacwa on EWTN says that the pagan Sol Invictus was actually resurrected in Rome to counteract Christmas. The Romans were panicking about these early Christians celebrating Christmas. Now Christians are accused of celebrating Christmas on this winter solstice, but this isn't even on December 25th. The winter solstice is actually on December 21st. So don't let non-Christians tell you differently. There is no proof that Christians were trying to be like the pagans. You know, other religions had festivals across the entire calendar. No matter what month the early Christians might have chosen to celebrate Christmas, it would have overlapped some pagan holiday. So just because it coincided in the date, doesn't mean the nature of the celebration was the same. Let me give you an example. That would be like saying my cameraman Giuseppe can't celebrate his birthday on October 5th, which really is his birthday, because it's already the feast day of St. Faustina. Yes, this is true. So we don't do that. And even if the pagan holiday did come first, there is still nothing wrong with Christmas coming after it. What do I mean by that? Being on the same date, it gave Christians an opportunity to evangelize and to counteract the pagan festival that I mentioned. The purpose would be to Christianize the paganism in Rome and to bury its pagan feasts of lust and orgies practice at the time so they would forget all about it. Well, at least hopefully. So here's the point. Whether Christmas came first, which it did, or whether Christians baptize some pagan holiday, which came first, it doesn't matter. It doesn't dismiss the birth of Christ as the reason for the season. In fact, it brings more people to it. It's kind of like this nativity. Here we see our little baby Jesus in the flesh. He's just a baby. He doesn't even have any teeth. He can't bite. So we can trust him. That's the whole message of the incarnation. So Christmas, is definitely a Christian and not a pagan holiday. Its origins are simple. It's the celebration of the day when the second person of the Trinity, God's holy word was born into this world. This is about Jesus Christ and nobody else. Hence the word Christmas as Christ's mass. Did you know that when you wish someone a Merry Christmas, you are wishing them a good mass of Christ on December 25th. Well, thank you, everybody, for being with us for this week's episode, and Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. And please be with us next week because we're going to be talking about the Beatitudes, which are something perfect to talk about in the Christmas holiday. And until then, may Almighty God bless you as the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.